Hello and welcome to Assured by Grace. My name is Danny Woodward and I'll be your host this week. And again, I'm joined by Pastor Phil Congdon, who will be uh, weighing in on, on a message today that, that we want to kind of parse out, Phil, uh, regarding the rapture and our blessed hope. Yeah. But before we really get into that, there may be folks that are tuning in today that are in, in different places in life. Maybe you just saw the the podcast and you wanted to see what it was all about uh, and and we'd just say welcome we'd we'd love for you to stick around and and uh and listen in and and really we'd like for you to to maybe reach out and, and let us know if you have some comments and uh and some thoughts regarding some of the topics that we discuss from week to week and so if you'd like to do that you can you can reach us at uh, nbbc at newbronfelsbible.org that's nbbc at newbronfelsbible.org. We'd love to hear from you. And you know, the, the topics that we cover from week to week are in regard to, to our salvation, to, to yeah. the good news that we have, that uh, Christ came, He lived a perfect life, He died a death, he, he was risen again, and He ascended to heaven with God. And just by believing in Christ as our Savior, uh, we too can have mm. eternal life and it would change the eternal destiny of, of each one of us uh, that's uh, faith and that's our assurance that's what this is all about uh we're assured by grace you know you're you're looking at a world today that is coming apart at the seams uh there is distrust on every side disagreements division and there's a lot of violence there's a lot of hatred. There, there's fear about the future. And uh, there are a lot of anxieties, a lot of people who, who are feeling very negative. And unfortunately, a lot of people are looking at the church and they're saying, the church just isn't giving me any answers. Uh, the church is just confusing me. It's just like they're, they're, they've got their own social, um, their program. And I'm not looking for that. I need hope. I'm looking for hope. And that's what we're really addressing. We're addressing that there is hope in Jesus Christ. That beyond that, everything else is going to be a dead-end street. But God, who created this world after we fell into sin and were separated from God, he sent Jesus Christ, his son. He lived a perfect life. And then he gave his life. He died on the cross because our sin had separated us from God. And we, we couldn't be ever uh, by our efforts trying to be good in any way good enough to be restored into a right relationship with God, our creator. So Jesus died for our sins and then he rose from the dead and he offers now a free gift. He says, yes, the wages of sin is death, but my gift to you is eternal life. And that eternal life starts right now when you believe. So this is a message. If you have any questions about this, any, um, any doubts, and you'd like us to address those, we'd love to, to do that. 
Thanks, Bill. Uh, Bill, did you want to start to get into today's conversation a little bit? Maybe, uh, maybe look well, at the the gospel of grace as we yeah as we we, start we just I just shared with you that that gospel of grace and Danny uh, as well. Um, we've we've shared our testimonies before. You can go back and you can listen to those on our first podcast where we shared our our testimonies. But the the gospel. The good news that God has for every person is that if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive a free gift of eternal life at that point in time. You are a member of God's family. You have a forever home in heaven. That is your destiny. And that gives you assurance. Now, that's why we call this assured by grace. Conversely, there is another teaching that has spread into many, many churches. I am sure many of you have heard this, and that is the idea that getting to heaven depends ultimately not only on believing in Jesus, but in behaving in the right way. You have to live a faithful life. That means go to church and get baptized, obey God's commands, uh, live a moral life, those kinds of things. And at the same time, you also have to fight against sin. And, and many will tell you that if you don't win that fight against all sin, that you're not really saved. And of course, what this means is that nobody who believes that can have any assurance that they are actually saved. Um, and that, I just want to reiterate this. So what we have here is we have two different items here, a biblical gospel that offers believers assurance of salvation, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is something that it offers you. The Bible's gospel offers you this from the moment you believe. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you uh, come to the conviction in your heart, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I'm a sinner, but Jesus died for my sin. I believe in him, and I trust in him as my Savior. You have received at that moment the free gift of eternal life. But the other side of this is full of doubt. Now, some people would say, okay, well, where do you get that gospel? Well, let me just give you some, some Bible verses. Acts 16.31. Paul is talking to a Philippian jailer. says, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He didn't say you might be saved. Or he said, if you continue on, you will be saved. He said, right now. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Or John 3.16, best-known verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Or John 5.24, again, Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes Him who sent me has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, 
but has passed out of death into life. John 6, 47, Jesus said, whoever believes has eternal life. Are you starting to pick up the theme here? <laughs> There's assurance here. And, and it's not just in John or, or Acts, uh, Romans 4, 5. To the one who doesn't work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Romans 6.23, I already quoted this. The wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2.8-9, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works. Just remember that. That's the gospel. Now, this, the impact of this, and we're going to now get into where we're kind of going here. The impact of this is that there's a trajectory here that once you have believed in Jesus and you are now saved, you've received this free gift, you can rest in that promise and face life with a new confidence so that like the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away. New things have come. But I wish I could say that that's what you will always hear from Christians, from churches, from uh, Christian radio teachers, but it isn't. Uh, there are those who believe and will teach that your eternal destiny depends on your behavior and that in this life, you cannot look forward confidently or with assurance to your eternal future. So you're remaining under a cloud of doubt. And you're living that way. And you have to prove uh, that you're holy enough and hope that you did enough so that at the end, God will say to you, yes, uh, you did enough. You can come into my heaven. That's not good news. No, it's not. Well, do you have an example? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, actually... Yeah, I've got a couple of, of examples. Uh, I've mentioned this before, uh, uh, that there are Bible teachers, and we've talked about some of them before, who, who confuse this issue. And, and one of these Bible teachers is John Piper. John Piper is well known. He's written over 50 books. Um, he's, he was for many years a pastor of a, a well-known church in Minnesota. And he has a, a podcast. Uh, he has also a website. And I, I want to read you a letter that was sent to John Piper by a pastor who was asking a question because of what John Piper teaches. Just listen to this. He says, Dear Pastor John, I understand the Bible to teach that a true Christian is one who perseveres to the end and in the sad circumstances where someone professes faith, but then falls away, they were never a true Christian. 
For myself, I fully believe that I have been saved by Christ. And I see the fruit of this in my life. However, as a longtime pastor, I am sure you know of people who would also have been convinced that they were truly born again and would have appeared to bear fruit in their lives, but later showed that they were not truly saved by abandoning the faith. So, if my salvation is only truly and finally evidenced by my perseverance, how much weight can I attach to God's promises? How can I know that this is true for me when it is only when I have run the race set before me that I will truly know that I did persevere and therefore was truly saved. Boy, you can hear the desperation in this pastor's voice. Uh, really he, he really is wondering, can I claim the promises of God? You know, God says, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Can I claim that promise? I don't know, he's saying. That, that's what he's saying. Uh, and anyway, it, it, I'm going to read you now uh, just an answer. John Piper, uh, he has, again, written many answers, and you can read them. But um, this is, it's, it's a common desire. We all want to know that we are loved by God. We want to know that we're in his family. We want to know that if I die, I'm going to be in heaven. But the view that John Piper and others like him teach today makes any assurance impossible. You can't have assurance. And in fact, John Piper even uh, admits that he can't be sure he is saved. Listen to these words. This is John Piper. He says, this is shocking to realize that John Piper could actually have the courage to be burned at the stake and in those last horrible moments with the flames licking in pain at my skin to have the thought enter my mind. You're not real, Piper. You're not really surrendered. You're not a real Christian. You just want to be remembered as famous. You're just a fake. And then he says this. We never get beyond the theoretical possibility of doubting our full surrender. You can always say, maybe I'm deluding myself. Maybe I am deluding myself. Hmm. What a tragic condition. Uh, what a you know, one of the many reasons why the gospel of grace yeah. is so important, one of the many reasons why we've talked about in the past yeah. that believing is simply, it, it's not, it doesn't take a, an emotional attachment or you don't have to put yeah. and quantify it. You just have to see the the gospel message and, and take hold of that and say, I believe it and, and mean it. And that's, yeah. that's it. And, yeah. Uh, and that's really what it is. It, there's an understanding part to this. 
Uh, and there is certainly a part of in your heart being aware of your own sin. Sure. But believing it is accepting that it is true, that yes, I'm a sinner and Jesus died for my sin. Well, to shift gears, Bill. Yeah. Today we're gonna we're gonna be talking, discussing uh, another reason to have hope in in the gospel of yeah. grace, and and that's for the future, for what's coming. Yeah. Well, so, th- it makes sense because if you believe in Jesus, you're looking to the future with hope, mm-hmm. and, and it ties in with 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 this too. I mean, if listen, if you're thinking, well, I might be saved, I might not. Just depends on whether or not. When I die, I, I've been living a good enough life. Uh, you're not going to be looking forward to the future. You're going to be trying to think, okay, am I doing enough now? Uh, and and there's anxiety and there are doubts there. But, you know, Scripture points to a, a future with hope. And that, that future, part of that future, the, the nearest uh, to us, I guess, in, yeah. in the church, is the rapture. It's uh, these days. It seems like yeah. a very controversial topic within a church. Uh, a lot of for, times, for some churches, it, it certainly is. There, there would be many churches, and some of our listeners would probably go to churches where, where they would deny there even is a coming rapture. Bill, can you kind of break it down and, and maybe a succinct explanation so that our viewers can can understand? Me and you can better understand together. What is the rapture? What what are we looking forward to mm-hmm. when we talk about the rapture? You know, the best way to to uh, capture the a biblical teaching of the rapture is uh, to go back to when Jesus uh, was on the earth, the night before his crucifixion. He's in the upper room and he's talking to his disciples, and he says in John fourteen, "I go to prepare a place for you." And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So he's, he's talking about us going to be where he is. And that's, that's something he told his disciples. Now he was looking ahead. He knew what was coming. The, the next verse that I would direct your attention to would be in Acts 1. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, Jesus has just ascended. He has just left the earth. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He was seen. He ministered to his disciples. And then on the Mount of Olives, he rose and went into heaven. And it says the clouds removed from their sight. And then they're standing there. So here's the scene. They're standing, looking up into heaven. And, and this is what it says in Acts 1, 9-11, After he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? Or looking into the sky. This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Now we have a next clue. So again, these are the disciples and Jesus' followers just after his resurrection. 
and the angels say, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. You saw him go up into the clouds. He's going to come back in that way. Well, the next uh, scripture that you can turn to if you want to sort of follow the, the teaching of this would be in 1 Corinthians 15. And in 1 Corinthians 15, this is called the resurrection chapter because it's all about the, the resurrection, that there actually is a resurrection of the dead. Uh, but at the end of that chapter in verses 50 through 52, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, and that word refers to being dead. So we will not all die, he says, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. So we have a situation where he's talking about there's a moment in time. He says that, uh, that we now have perishable bodies, and so we die. But he says the day is coming when we're all going to have imperishable bodies. He says there's a moment coming, a twinkling of an eye, when those who have died are going to receive imperishable bodies, and those who are living are going to have their bodies exchanged for an imperishable body. We will all, he says, be changed, whether dead or alive. All of us who are believers in Jesus are going to be changed. So, so now, so yeah. just to just to clarify, we all get to participate in the rapture, whether or not we <laughs> we make it there in in this flesh and blood, or yeah. or we. Uh, or we're somehow, you know, die in, in this life. And are, yeah, and that's, and that's really spelled out in 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, verses uh, 13 to 18. Again, if you're following on in your Bibles, you can just look at this scripture. Uh, this is a little bit longer, but just let me read the whole passage, and then we'll comment on it. It says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are, and here he has, uses the word again for sleep, for somebody who has died. And the Thessalonians Christians were concerned. They were thinking Jesus was going to return very soon. And some of their Christian brothers and sisters had died. So they're wondering, what happened? Uh, did we miss it? And Paul is saying, no. He says, uh, I don't want you to be concerned about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. Isn't that interesting? There are people who have no hope because they don't have Jesus Christ. And then he says this, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. You've got to stop here and realize that those who die, Christians, are with Jesus Christ. But God is going to bring with Jesus those who have died. 
And this is very interesting. They, you know, whether they have, uh, you know, what kind of a temporary body or something at that point, they are coming with Jesus. And then he says this. Uh, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So now we have these dead bodies rising. They're going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye from a, a perishable, rotten, decaying body into an imperishable body. And then it reads on and it says, then we who are alive and remain, that is, we're living at this moment, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. This is the the clearest passage uh, of Scripture, and it's clearly a reference to a time, an unexpected time, an unknowable time that in an instant Jesus is going to return. With him will be the believers, the saints of all the ages, and their bodies will rise and our bodies with us in them will rise. And, and, you know, he says this is something to comfort one another. And the comfort in this is the assurance of this. Yeah. It's not the, boy, you don't know whether it'll be you or not. He's writing to believers, and he wants them to comfort one another. Beautiful thought. Uh, Bill, why is it, though, that, that this, obviously this doctrine is important for the comfort, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the rapture, though, a lot of people say, well, you can interpret this at different points in, in, the, in the, uh, the eschatological framework, you know, the end times, all of the end times prophecy. Yeah. Well, why is it important to see that this is something that we're looking forward to happening in the, in the, in the history of the church? Well, I think it goes back to where we started. The, the world that we're living in, we see it decaying all around us. and. Um, the idea that that we are just locked into this, and that um, some people think of God as a deistic God, He's far off in space somewhere, and 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 we've just missed Him, uh, and and He's not really concerned. He's watching. He is watching. His plan is waiting to be enacted. Uh, it says in Titus two, it says that the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. And then it says it's instructed us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So, you know, we've received this salvation. God has offered it to all. And that grace gift that he gives us instructs us to live our lives in a godly way. But then he says, looking for that blessed hope. And that's a happy hope. The word hope in, in these contexts doesn't mean uh, like I might say to you, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow, <laughs> but it looks like it, that kind of a thing. 
But the word hope here is a confident assurance. In other words, it is an anticipation. It's like uh, knowing that you're about to come home and your kids are waiting at the door. Dad's about to come home. I'm hoping he's here in just a minute uh, because their expectation is for you coming. And that is the Christian's expectation, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. So yeah, it changes a lot of things, I think, but it is a optimism. Well, listen, I, I got to ask this too. There may be people that are listening in and, and they're, they're hearing this and they're saying, well, that's great. But, you know, God told us when he was here that you're a believer, you're going to have trials. You're going to have mm -hmm. suffering. Why is it so important mm -hmm. that this hope protects us from, you know, a coming tribulation that's going to be at the very end of, of, uh, of this age? What mm -hmm. is it that's so important about that? And, and why, what's the difference between the suffering that, that those people that are left are going to endure in the, in the suffering that martyrs yeah. over millennia. Well, we didn't mention this, but the rapture, you're right. Uh, according to the biblical prophetic calendar, you have a rapture, and then what follows is called the Great Tribulation. It's a terrible time. And, and the question that you've asked is, uh, is something like this. Um, trials are, are good for us, in a sense. It says in James 1, consider it a joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 12, uh, uh, no, excuse me, uh, chapter 13, uh, 12 and 13, they talk about trials and facing those trials, that that's God's way of purifying us. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples um, in the upper room, he said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take comfort, I have overcome the world. So we have verses that talk about trials and the value of trials. Trials that we have in this life may come because of sin. In other words, a Christian who uh, falls into sin, God may graciously send a trial, uh, a, a judgment, against them, just as he did with Israel in the Old Testament. When Israel would turn against God, God would maybe send them into captivity or bring somebody who would oppress them, and they would then turn back to God because of their sorrow. And that was, that was a good thing. Yeah. But what is talked about after the rapture, it's in Revelation 6 through 19, this is not God's uh, attempt. God's desire here is not to somehow correct uh, Christians. Christians are gone. This is God pouring out his wrath on the wickedness of a fallen world. And it's reached a crescendo where the Antichrist has come uh, has taken over, and the whole world is consumed with this evil. And this excites God's wrath, leading to the second coming of Jesus in Revelation 19, 
where he comes and defeats that evil world system and the Antichrist and Satan is bound for a thousand years. We're getting into more <laughs> future, but that's well, what it, it But it's interesting that you say that because, you know, you look at uh, just, just people that are talking today uh, in, in sometimes inside church circles, sometimes in a secular media, a lot of times what you see is they're, they're worried about, well, could this be the mark of the beast coming? Or could this be the Antichrist? And they're saying, you know, they're trying to kind of game it. Yeah, is, it yeah. is that coming? And what you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, is that as a believer, we're looking for Christ. We're not looking for the Antichrist. Yeah. We're looking for our Savior to come get us. Yeah. And there's, we, there's there, there are things that are coming. Yeah. And, and and God has told us things you might say that we don't need to know, but He has told us things that are coming. And these reveal his character, his holiness, and the wickedness of this world. And they show that to us. And those things are a reminder to us. So, you know, I, I guess part of it is that there's there's different plans, right? God has a plan for the church. Yeah. And God has a plan for Israel. Yeah. And and we have to keep those two those two tracks a little bit separate. Yeah, well, you know, our our understanding of Scripture and, and those who are listening to this, uh, there's a basic understanding of Scripture and approach. How do we read the Bible? Well, we don't read the Bible uh, like it's uh, filled with imaginary or figurative stories, and, and we just need to read our interpretation. We read this as being literally, historically, grammatically true. So that when it says something, we believe it. And because of that, yes, there are promises to Israel, national Israel, in the Old Testament that are yet to be fulfilled. The day of the Lord is coming. We could talk about all these things, but that day of the Lord is a time of both judgment and amazing blessing. But that judgment, that wrath of God that will be poured out in the tribulation is part of that. So I guess what I'm getting at then is why should we care so much about the other end times teachings if we have the rapture? Well, somebody would say, some people would say, let's not care too much about it. <laughs> and I, I understand that. I do understand that uh, we can argue about end times and we don't know everything about the end times. There are, uh, there are a lot of things we don't know. Uh, if you read the book of Revelation, you will find there are many things in Revelation that you're not sure about. Uh, but uh, I think it was uh, Tom Sawyer. Uh, um, was it Tom Sawyer who, who said it ain't the things in the Bible? I can't, I can't understand that bother me. It's the things I can understand and and the things that we can understand are that god is a holy god that we are sinners and that we are all deserving of judgment that that wrath that is poured out by god that's something that we all deserve none of us deserves to be saved none of us deserves to be in heaven with god none of us deserves to be raptured but 
for those who believe in Jesus Christ, you become a member of God's forever family. You are assured that you belong to God because of your faith in Jesus. And as a result of that, you're also assured that when that wrath of God is poured out, that you're not going to be here. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, you know, you know that you were, we were talking before about just, you know, why these other things can be helpful as reminders to us of the time. You, why don't you share that story (laughs) that you, you shared because you travel. I travel a lot for work. And one of the places I, I frequent is Houston. I've got to go to Houston. I've got clients in Houston. And, uh, if, some of y'all might not know, but we live in New Braunfels area. It's about a two and a half hour drive most days to get up and head to Houston. And a lot of times I'm leaving early. So I'll get up, Phil, and I may have a three quarters of a tank. And by the time I start getting close to Houston, I realize I've got to gas up and get some coffee. And one of the things I do, <laughs> this is, shows you if, you if you're around Texas, you'll get this maybe a little bit better <laughs> yeah. than others. But there's a there's a sign about, 20 minutes into my trip in Luling, a little town, and you pass by a, a big gas station, and Bucky's are the premier gas stations in Texas. You want just about anything that you can get at Walmart, you can get it better at Bucky's, right? And there's 500 oil gas dispensers out there, too. So they're really uh, great. And I'll, a lot of times I'll be in my, in my groove and I'll pass through the Bucky's in Luling. And the interesting thing is that you start seeing signs for the next Bucky's as yeah. soon as you pass Luling. And so you start seeing Bucky's only 100 miles or something like that down the road. And you go a little farther. Bucky's only 90 miles down the road. And there's always a catchy little, uh, a little uh, phrase that they have for it, you know. And, and so what I do is, is I start watching those signs. And, you know, Phil, I don't typically like to go to the Bucky's in Katy. Because that one's packed. <laughs> so busy. They're so, so busy. But there's a little Bucky's right up the road from Katie called Kathy's Corner. A little similar type yeah. store to Bucky's called Kathy's Corner. And, and, uh, and they've got great food and, and great coffee. And, and gas station is always open. This is a free advertisement. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I'll, but they don't really advertise. At least not the way Bucky's does. And the way that I start seeing that I know when I'm getting close to Kathy's corner is when those Bucky Stein signs start getting really stacked up on one another. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it helps me to see that, Hey, I better start looking for that exit that I know is coming. Yeah. Uh, and so I pull over and I go to Kathy's corner. I never, I never really stop at Bucky, but I'm watching this. It's signs. a great, it's just a great illustration because, uh, you know, Jesus in Matthew 24 and 25 and in the Olivet discourse, he talks a lot about, a terrible time that's coming. Uh, but that wasn't a time for his disciples. But still, he's talking about that time. And he wants them to be, he says, you know, watch. You know, be aware of the signs. You will see them. And as we look at our world today, I think anybody could fairly uh, conclude there are a lot of signs that we're getting near that terrible time of judgment, that terrible time when God pours his wrath out on this world. And the rapture is what comes 
right before that. And so I would ask everybody, you know, just think, am I ready? Am I ready? And the answer to that question is as easy as this. Do I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead? Amen. Thanks, Phil. Look forward to uh, have a good week. Yeah.